And the result of life reigning in us is that there's a power and authority and a hope and a strength and a peace and a joy that the world cannot shake anymore because it's God's life reigning in us, the dynamic of his life transforming and living through us. Hey, I'm Mike Atkins, and what an honor it is to have you with us today. As we begin this podcast, my prayer is that we open our hearts to the life-changing truth of Christ in us, the hope of glory, to everything the Lord has done for us and all he longs to do through us. You'll find more information about our ministry at mikeatkinsministry.com and, of course, in the show description. Let's open the Word of God now as we learn more about all he longs to do in and through our lives. I've been focusing a great deal on this idea of Christ in us, the hope of glory, of Christ living through us, of us not living our lives for Jesus, but learning how to cooperate with allowing Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit to live his life through us. It occurred to me that I want to take just a minute and explain to you why I feel like this is so important. I believe there's a great need in the church in this season that we're heading into almost as deep as what I would call a new reformation. And let me explain to you what I mean when I say that, a new reformation, because we are seeing a reformation happening in regards to our style and our methodology. Everybody from the smallest congregation to the largest churches in America have had to totally readjust and reform their style and their methodology of how to to be church. And, and that has been something that's just been remarkable to watch, really, how the church has responded to continue to care for and minister to and reach out to the people. But I want to suggest to you that I really believe that more than just style and methodology, God is really calling the church to a reformation in terms of substance and message. Because in a sense... In the same way God has shaken, the world has shaken the, the, the style and the methodology of the church during this season, I believe he's wanting to shake and reform the substance, the heart and substance and the message of the church. If you think about Reformation, and I know this may not be something that's a familiar term to all of you. But when we think about the Reformation in history, Luther was one of the many people that was involved in the Reformation. The Reformation in history was was a repudiation of the idea of salvation being the result of works. In other words, people had come to believe that they earned their way to heaven by their good works, by their efforts, and that as a result of their doing the right thing and doing the religious thing and being being uh, good people and all those kind of things that they were going to earn a right to heaven. And Luther even was repudiating the idea that you could buy your way into heaven by purchasing indulgences, they were called. And so the church got that part of the Reformation. They came to understand that salvation, the going to heaven, was not on the basis of works, but that salvation was on the basis of grace and faith. And so the word that 
Luther used was solo fideus. It was by faith alone, only by faith. And through grace do we come to salvation and get to go to heaven when we die, not by what works that we've done, but by what Christ has done for us on the cross. But I want to say to you that I feel like almost as deeply and desperately needed is the message of salvation by works, not by works, but rather by faith and through grace. There's a need for a reformation of our understanding of of what it means to live now. Now that we've been saved, so to speak, by grace through our faith in the finished work of Christ, that is something that the church largely has come to understand, that aspect of grace. But there's a second dimension of grace. Grace is not just what I would say the disposition of God towards men because of what Christ has done for us. Let me say that again. Grace is not just the disposition of God or God's attitude towards us because of what Christ has done for us. But grace is also meant to be the dynamic of God's life in us because of what Christ can do through us. I want to say that again. I I know it may seem like I'm hitting this over and over and over again, but I want to tell you why before we get into this idea of a life that reigns. Because once we understand that we get to go to heaven by grace and by faith, and we come to understand that it's not our works that have purchased heaven for us, that we make no contribution to our own salvation except to receive it as a free gift from God, then in a sense, that question is settled for us in life. We know that we go to heaven by grace. We go because we put our faith in the finished work of Christ on the cross. But if we then begin to think that now to live the Christian life, We do that through our own strength, through our own power, through our own works, through our own efforts. That becomes something that actually begins to rob us of the victory of the overcoming life of the power of the of the rest of grace that God wants us to understand. Now, let me say this again to you. Listen to me really carefully. Think about this with me. Grace is not just the disposition of God, his attitude towards man because of what Christ did for us on the cross. That is part of grace. That's grace part A, okay? Is the disposition of God has changed towards man because of what Christ did on the cross for us. But here's the second part of grace, the part that we so desperately need every day of our life. And that is the dynamic, grace is the dynamic of Christ in us and working through us. It's not just God's attitude of acceptance of us because of what Christ did for us, but it is the dynamic of God's own life working in us and through us. If we know the grace of salvation and the finished work of Christ for us, but we don't know the grace of the dynamic of Christ's life in us, working through us, then we will have gotten half of the good news, only half of the good news. And let me say this to you, just before we go to these scriptures. This is not just true in regards to immorality 
in regards to addictions, in regards to, you know, the big sins that we think about, this dynamic of the grace of God in us. It's true of every part of our Christian life, every single day of our life, every single choice in our life, every single moment of our life. We need the dynamic of grace, God's life, Christ's life working in us by the power of the Holy Spirit in the same way that we needed God's disposition towards us to change because of what Christ did for us. We need God's dynamic in us to be able to transform our life from the inside. And this is so important to understand because, listen, are you struggling with peace, having peace in your life? Are you struggling with, with patience, with, with being impatient? Are you struggling with anger, lust? Are you struggling with being obedient to the Lord? Are you struggling with being effective in ministry or in calling? Are you struggling as a mother with your children? Are you str struggling as a husband with your wife? Are you Where are you struggling in this world? Let me tell you, whatever you're wrestling with, whatever's going on in your life, if you're struggling with fear, if you're struggling with boredom, if whatever is going on in your life, this is where the second part of grace comes in. And I see so many people that it's almost as though they came to church, they heard the good news of salvation, they found out that Christ died for them on the cross, they accepted the free gift of salvation by grace through faith, and now they've just basically been waiting to go to heaven with no understanding that the grace of salvation opened the door for the grace of transformation and for the power of the dynamic of Christ's life to live in us and through us in everything that we have to face in this world. Now, let's look really quickly at Galatians chapter 3 and verse 3. And this, I hope, will help you understand why this is so powerfully important in your life, this understanding of how to cooperate with the dynamic of Christ's life in you. Galatians chapter 3, verse 3, it says it this way. Are you so foolish, Paul is writing to the church in Galatia, having begun in the Spirit, are you now being made perfect by the flesh? Now here, what is Paul saying? He's saying, okay, Galatians, you got part A of grace. If you received Christ by faith, you received the Spirit of the Lord, to forgive you, to cleanse you, to redeem you, the work of Christ for you on the cross, you got part A of grace. Congratulations. You now know that it's not by your works, not by your human goodness, not by your religious efforts, not by your fulfillment of the rituals that you are get to go to heaven. You now know that you began in the spirit by grace and through faith. But, he says, having understood that, Having gotten part A of grace, are you now attempting to be made perfect or to become mature or to grow up in Christ by your flesh, by your human works and your human efforts? And Paul is saying this is not the way. Christ didn't die for us and then leave it up to us to do the rest. He died for us, so we qualified for his life to come in us and the dynamic of that life to work through us. 
So what does it mean when I talk about a life that reigns? Look at Romans chapter 5 with me, and I want us to see this very, very powerful verse of Scripture that I think is so frequently misunderstood. And I tell you, if you'll hang with me tonight for a few minutes and let me plumb some of this with you, I'm going to share something with you that I think will be very, very revelatory to you and give you great insight into this uh, idea of a life that reigns. Notice what it says here in Romans chapter 5 and verse 17. It says, For if by the one man's offense, he's talking about Adam, if by the one man's offense death reigned through the one, much more those who receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. Now, notice what he says. He says that through Adam, through the sin of Adam, who was the federal head of the human race, through his sin, his offense, death entered in, and not only entered in, but death reigned through that one. Through Adam, death entered the human race. In, in the Garden of Eden, Adam died. He spiritually died. He was alive intellectually. He was alive emotionally. He was alive volitionally. He was alive physiologically. He was alive in terms of his sensuality, his five senses. But spiritually, he died. He was cut off from the life of God and banished from the presence of God. And that happened because of one man's offense. And that same spiritually dead condition was then passed on to all of the human race. We know this. But here's the good news. That death that, that lived in Adam and lived through us meant that everything that Adam did and everything that everyone who was born of Adam did was in God's eyes a dead work. Death reigned not only in terms of man physically dying and man being cut off from the life of God, but even the works that man did came out of a spiritually dead condition. So man's intellect, man's will, man's emotion, man's, man's sensuality, man's, man's passions, those were all operating out of a spiritually dead condition. And what it produced was death because that which is born of flesh is flesh and it's dead, dead works. But he says... If by that one man's offense, death reigned through the one, much more those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. Now he says, we're going to be able to reign. A new reign will begin. And here he's talking about a new sovereignty, a new power, a new authority where death and dead works reigned through us because of Adam. Now that Christ is in us and we've received the abundance of grace, not just God's disposition towards us changing, but the dynamic of Christ's life operating in us, those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. Now, what is this life that reigns? Now, this is where I really want you to try and follow me for a few moments, because I think sometimes we've taken this verse of Scripture to mean 
that we're going to live like kings on the earth. You know, that we're just going to be in charge of everything and we're going to be we're going to be on top and we're going to be, you know, everything we want is going to come to pass exactly the way we want it. And we're just going to be sitting on thrones on the earth and all that kind of thing. But I want to give you a little different perspective on this for a few moments. What does it mean when the Bible says that we will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ? Well, first of all, let me say this. It's important to know what kind of life we're talking about here. There are three words that are used for life in the New Testament. One is the Greek word bios. It's the word we get biological life from, and it means, a, it means physiological life. It means sensual life. In our five senses, taste and smell and touch, all those things. In our physiological life, bios, that's not the word that he uses here. So we're not, he's not talking about reigning biologically. Okay. The second Greek word and most frequently used Greek word is the Greek word suke. And suke in the Greek, it means the, the natural life. It means our lifestyle. It means the life of the, of, the, of the human race, the human life lived in this world. But again, when he says that those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life, he doesn't use that Greek word. He's not talking about in this natural world. As a matter of fact, I want to stop there for just a minute. There are several interesting verses of scripture about this word suke, the natural life in regards to this idea of reigning. Are we going to reign in the natural life? Are we going to be powerful kings of the earth in the natural world? Is that what he's talking about here when he speaks about reigning in life through Jesus Christ? Well, no, because in fact, Jesus gave us some very specific instructions about this kind of life, the natural life. As a matter of fact, for example, it says in, in Matthew 20, verse 28, I'm not going to turn there, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Guess what word he uses there? Suke. He gave his natural life, this world's life, he gave that as a ransom for many. Notice what it says in Luke 12, 22. It says, he said to his disciples, therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life. What's the word there? Suke. Don't worry about your life, this natural life. He says, what you will eat, nor about the body, what you will put on. He says, don't worry about this natural life. When, when Jesus, when Paul is talking to the church in Rome about reigning in life, he's not talking about suke, the natural life. John 12, 25 says it really powerfully. He says, he who loves his life, suke, will lose it. But he who hates his life, suke, in this world, will keep it for eternal life. Now he introduces another Greek word, the Greek word zoe. The Greek word zoe means the life that God himself possesses. It means eternal life. It means the life that is in God and that he alone possesses. Now think about it with me for just a minute. When he speaks here in Romans 5, 17, that through one man's offense, death reigns, spiritual death. Through that one, much more, those who receive the abundance of grace, we're talking about a dynamic, a power, a force, and the gift of righteousness, that's a right standing with God, will reign in life. Now, he says, zoe, the Greek word zoe. 
They will reign in an eternal life, in a life that only God himself possesses, and that will happen through the one Jesus Christ. Now, what is he telling us? When he talks about us reigning in life, he's not talking about our lifestyle being that of a king. He's not talking about our natural life in this world. As a matter of fact, he tells us to take no thought for that life. As a matter of fact, he tells us, as we just read, that if we love this life in this world, and that's what we're focused on, we're going to lose it. But if we hate, and the word there means to be indifferent towards, to not be focused on, to consider unimportant this life, then he says, we will keep it for eternal life, for a different kind of life. Oh, Lord, help me say this in the way that it'll start to make sense. What is he telling us here? He's telling us that when we try and live our life in this world, when we try and get this life going, get this life involved, get this life, get our ideas, our strategies, our concepts, our passions, our desires, our interests, even our efforts and our labors, when we try and live out of that, he says, we're going to lose what, what Christ came to give us. Because what he came to give us is a, a, a reigning life but not that reigns in suke in the natural, but a, a life that reigns in the eternal, in the spiritual life of Christ. So, in essence, the question is, where does this life come from? Well, the Bible tells us very clearly. It tells us in John chapter 1, verse 4, in him was life. What's the Greek word? Zoe, not suke. In him was a life that only God himself possesses, and that life, zoe, is the light of men. That's what the Bible says in John chapter 10. And here's where I want you to hear this. Listen to this in a new way, fresh ears. Jesus said, the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. But I've come that you might have life. Guess which word he's using? Zoe, the life that God alone possesses and that you might have it more abundantly. Now, I want to I want to expose something for just a moment. Listen to this. Now, listen carefully, and then I'll explain what I mean in just a minute. Jesus did not say, Jesus did not say in John 10, 10, I have come that you might have abundant life. That's not what he said. Jesus did not say, I have come that you might have an abundant life. That's not what he said. What Jesus said is I am come that you might have life abundantly. And he does not use the Greek word suke, lifestyle. He uses the Greek word zoe. I haven't come to give you an abundant suke, lifestyle. I've come to give you life, zoe, the life that God himself has, in an abundance. I've come to give you life in abundance, not an abundant life. Now, let me tell you this. When you begin to understand that the reason why Jesus came was not just to die on the cross for you, but to release in you the dynamic of his life in an abundant sense, it will produce for you 
a life on this earth like you've never known before. In peace, in joy, in purpose, in meaning, in hope, in, in, in celebration, it will release things in you that you've never comprehended before. And the byproduct of it will be that you will have a life of abundance. But Jesus did not come to give you an abundant life. He came to give you life abundantly. Notice what he says there in John 10. 10. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they might have zoe, the life of God, and that they might have it. What? Zoe, the life of God, abundantly. So why, why do I think this is so important? Because I see the message and the substance of the, of the church has gotten off track in so many situations and in the life of a lot of people because we've come to focus on thinking that we're going to reign in life as kings and we're going to live an abundant life as our primary goal. Can I tell you that's not the primary goal? That's the byproduct of the primary goal. It is the fruit, perhaps, that comes about, but it's not the root. The root is that life reigns in us. In the same way death reigned in us through Adam, life now reigns in us through Christ. And the result of life reigning in us is that there's a power and authority and a hope and a strength and a peace and a joy that the world cannot shake anymore because life is reigning in us where death once reigned. And it's not suke, our life reigning. It's zoe, God's life reigning in us, the dynamic of his life transforming and living through us. In the same way, it's not that Christ came that we might have an abundant life, though that's the outcome, but Christ came that we might have a life, so way, the life of God, in an abundant way. Think about that for just a moment. Do you have a life abundantly? Not, do you have an abundant life? But do you have Christ's life living in you, growing in you, working in you, increasing in you, being formed in you in an ever-increasing abundance. This is the life that reigns. And what does it reign over? Well, it reigns over sin and death. That's what the scripture tells us. Look at Romans 5, and we were reading in verse 17. Look what it says in verse 21. In Romans 5, verse 21, so that as sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life, zoe, through Jesus Christ our Lord. You see, prior to Jesus coming and living inside of us, 
sin reigned, and it reigned in death. Dead works, the works that flowed out of our flesh, out of our intellect, our emotion, our passion, our volition. But now, he says, as a result of grace entering in, and now he's apparently talking about a dynamic of grace, a force of grace, not just a position or disposition of God towards us because of what Christ did for us, but a force, a dynamic of Christ's life in us that grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life, not just going to heaven when we die, but having the power of the King of heaven seated on the throne, ruling and reigning over sin and death in us by the power of his life through us. What this means is that the life that reigns or a life that reigns is not me trying to rule this natural life and this natural world by the power of my will and my strength and my intellect and my emotion and my, my strategies and my ideas and I'm going to just reign in life as a king through my powerful ways and strength and wisdom and brilliance. No, that's not what he's talking about. That's suke. That's this natural life. What he's talking about is zoe, the eternal life of God. Now, I want to stop just a moment. I've, I've been talking a lot and talking deeply, but I want you to listen to this again. What is the difference between our perception being that Christ came, died on the cross, removed the stain of sin, so that now in this natural world, we might just have an abundant life and reign as a king versus the idea that Jesus died on the cross, shed his blood, removed the stain of sin, has removed the barrier between us and God so that now he can come and live inside of us and the life that he brings inside of us can reign and rule over the flesh, the mind, the will, and the emotions, and, and can reign over us through the dynamic of his life, and that he can come and give us his life in an abundant way, so that where we're broken, he can bring healing. Where we're confused, he get, his life brings wisdom. Where we're in bondage, his life brings freedom. Where we are impatient, his life brings patience. Where we have no peace, his life brings peace. Where we have no joy, his life brings joy. Where we can't defeat or overcome or be the person that we want to be, he becomes in us what we cannot be for him. He becomes in us and through us in a powerful way an abundance of his life reigning in us and granting to us something we could never produce for him. We could never produce this for him. And he knew that. So he came to produce in us his own life for us and through us. This is the idea of why Christ came, that we might not have an abundant life, but we might have life Life, 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 life in abundance. His life, 
operating in us. Now, I'll tell you, and listen to me, I live an abundant life. I mean, I am a blessed man. I'm blessed in every way I can imagine. I'm blessed, I said to a lot of people on my birthday, I'm blessed in family. I'm blessed in, in finances. I'm blessed in faith. I'm blessed in friends. I am so blessed. I have such an abundant life. But let me tell you, I did not get an abundant life by seeking an abundant life. I got an abundant life by seeking life abundantly. Cannot emphasize this enough. The abundant life I'm living now, I'm living as a byproduct of having spent my life seeking his life abundantly, seeking more of his life, more of Jesus, more of his strength, more of his power, becoming more and more conscious the longer I've lived on this earth of the weakness of my human flesh, of the incapacity of my human ability, of, of, the, of the hopelessness of me trying to live my life for Christ. And I stopped doing that at some point in my Christian life. By the grace of God, I stopped trying to live my life for Jesus and started asking Christ to live his life through me, not just accepting grace part A, which is accepting the disposition of God towards me because of what Christ did for me, but entering into grace part B, which is the dynamic and force of Christ's life in me, living through me. That grace that reigns through righteousness to eternal life, that gives me God's own life in me, expressing his life through me by the power of the Holy Spirit. This is life abundantly. And yes, absolutely, it has resulted in an abundant life. I can tell you, at this time in my life, I feel like I'm having such an abundant life. But I never sought an abundant life. What I sought was life, his life, Zoe, abundantly. More of it, Jesus, more of you, Lord more of your wisdom, more of your peace, more of your joy, more of your answers, less of me. I want to lay down my strategies and I want you to show your strategies. I want to lay down my will and I want your will to start to be expressed through me. Lord, I seen my own ways and they're rotten to the core. Even the, my best efforts, even my Christian efforts, even my religious efforts, all of them, Lord, in the end, produce flesh. That which is born of flesh is flesh. And all it can produce is death. You've heard me say it again. What is sin from my perspective? The way God taught me about sin is sin is a self-inspired narrative. Me writing my story on my own, whether I'm writing a, an against God or whether I'm writing my story for God, it's still me writing the story, me doing the work, me operating out of the dynamic of my own life, my own intellect, my own will, my own emotions. It's still me writing the story and coming up with the plan. But what does it mean to live in righteousness? That, as he says here in Romans 5, 21, that as sin reigned in death, 
my self-inspired narrative reigned in death, the fleshly effort, so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life. Well, what is righteousness? I'll share with you just one definition of righteousness. Righteousness, the Greek word dikaiosune, it means the state of him who is as he ought to be. The condition acceptable to God. What is righteousness? Let me say it again. It is the state of him who is as he ought to be. The condition acceptable to God. Well, can I tell you what the state of him who is as he ought to be is? It's a man who has God's life living inside of him by the power of the Holy Spirit. That is what righteousness is. A man with God living inside of him by the power of the Holy Spirit. And then what is the condition that's acceptable to God? It's that life that God has put inside us by the Holy Spirit reigning through us. His life living and reigning through us. That is righteousness in God's sight, not us doing good stuff for God. That's not what righteousness is. It's God's life doing his will and his way through us as we yield to him. That's the true definition of righteousness. That's what true righteousness is, is Christ living in us and Christ living through us. That's the state that is acceptable to God and that's man as man was meant to be. Man cannot be man without God inside of him by the Spirit of God living through him. That's the right state of man and what God always intended. So what does it mean then to have a life that reigns? It's not about us taking charge of this world in our own strength and ability and just, you know, elevating ourselves to the realm of, of being kings on the earth and then getting everything we can get, everything we want, having all that we can amass, achieving everything we want to achieve, coming up with all of our own dreams and plans and strategies and ideas, and then just taking control and getting everything done we want done. But I fear that in some ways that is becoming the message that we're hearing too often and we're seeing too often. That's why I started by saying, I believe the church needs a new reformation. We got part A. Part A was that salvation is not by works, but it is by grace and through faith. But we need part B. Part B is that sanctification or a holy life or a life that's pleasing to God is not by works either. It's by faith and grace and through the life of Christ expressing himself through us. When that happens, then we reign in life over sin, self-inspired narratives. We get spirit-inspired narratives. Self-inspired narratives is the sin of man Spirit-inspired narratives is the dynamic of Christ living and expressing and revealing and guiding and then empowering us to do this. So as I'm drawing to a close here, can you think with me 
those of you that are hanging in here and staying through to the end of this message, can you think with me about a difference that this would make? If you saw an abundant life, not as the goal of your life, not as the pursuit of your life, not as what you go after, because if you go after an abundant life and you define it suke, the Greek word for lifestyle, if you go after an abundant life, in this natural world as your primary goal now that you've gotten saved. The Bible says, Jesus says, you're going to lose it. But if instead we go after life abundantly, zoe, the life that only God possesses but exists in Christ, 1 John 5 and 11, 12, this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life, zoe. And that life, Zoe, is in his son. He who has the son has life, Zoe. He who does not have the son of God does not have life, Zoe. The life that God has. If you have the son, you have this life in you. And you can reign in this life, Zoe, the eternal life of God, by the power of Christ and his grace and the dynamic of that grace through you. You know, I want to end tonight with one verse of Scripture, and I want you to look with me in John. Let's look at John chapter 5, and I'm going to close with this tonight. John chapter 5, and I see this so, so much. I saw it in my own life. That's why I can talk about it, because I failed in this in so many ways in the early years of my Christian life. But I want you to notice what it says here in John chapter 5, and let's look at verse 39. John 5 and verse 39. Here Jesus is speaking to the Pharisees and to the religious leaders of the day, to people who were doing good stuff for God. These were not evil people that he was talking to. These aren't people who were going out, you know, doing wicked things. They were doing good things for God. But notice what he says to them in John chapter 5, verse 39. You search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life. Zoe is the Greek word he uses there. But these are they which testify of me, but you're not willing to come to me that you may have life. Let me kind of interpret that for us for just a moment. In essence, he was saying that when I try and live my life for Christ— what I do is I go to the scriptures, I see commands in scripture, and then I decide I'm going to go out and do this for Jesus. And so I'm going to go out and I'm going to, I'm going to come up with some ideas, come up with some strategies, come up with some plans about how I can do these things for Christ. And in the power of my own strength, my own wisdom, my own ways, in the same way that before I knew Christ, I was going out and doing my stuff, stuff that I wanted to do that I want to do for myself. Now I'm doing stuff that I want to do, but I want to do it for Christ. But he says, you search the scriptures because you think by doing that, you're going to find eternal life. In other words, that by your efforts, your energy, your works, you're going to find eternal life. But he says, but what the scripture is pointing you to is to me. He's pointing you to me, but you won't come to me that you might have life. Jesus was not saying Again, I've said it to you before, but I keep wanting to reiterate this in your heart. He did not say, there's the way, 
Here's the truth. Now you go live the life. Jesus said, I'm the way. I am the truth and I am the life itself. So what is a life that reigns? It's Christ in me, the hope of glory. Christ through me, the expression of that glory. So what's going on in your world right now? Where are you battling? Where are you failing? Where are you struggling? Where are you coming up short? Where are you redoubling your efforts and finding that you're still not there? Where are you exhausting yourself, wearing yourself out with human efforts and human struggles? Are you reigning in life? Or do you find yourself constantly finding your self-inspired narratives are ending in dead works, things that don't produce any life? There's a shift being offered to you. And the shift is this. If you want to have an abundant life, then start seeking his life in you abundantly. More than anything else, say, Jesus, I want to learn today, not tomorrow and not yesterday. Yesterday's gone. I can't recover it. Let it go. Forgetting what lies behind. Tomorrow is not here. It does me no value to try and live in this tomorrow. Tonight, between the time I'm, I, I close this teaching and the time I go to sleep tonight, this time I have now, let me seek your life abundantly. Lord, what would you have me say? Lord, what is it in your hands to do? Lord, what's before me right now that you want me to respond to by the power of your life? You want to do this in me? And I thank you that not only will you show me your will, but you'll also do your will because it is him who is at work in us both to will and to do according to his good pleasure. Last week we said it. Does it align with the word? Is it being prompted by the spirit? Am I trying to accomplish it in the dynamic of my life or am I letting him do it through me as I yield to him? This is the life that reigns. It will lead you, I promise you, to an abundant life in the natural. You'll see more abundance than you ever thought, but it's not the abundance in the natural that is the result or where it found. It's the life abundantly in the spirit is where this comes to pass. When we walk in his wisdom, in his peace, in his joy, guided by his spirit, obeying the promptings of his voice, laying down our plans, not trusting in our own thoughts, trusting the Lord with all of our heart, not leaning on our own understanding, always acknowledging him, when we begin to live that way, then it results in an abundant life because we're seeing the reigning life of Christ abundantly in us. Let's, let's have a closing prayer tonight. I pray that these things will start to sink into your spirit and something new and fresh will come tonight. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you that you did not come that we might have an abundant life though that is so frequently 
the outcome, but you came that we might have life, your life, eternal life, the life that you alone possess in abundance. Lord, that's what I want in my life is your life abundantly. And I thank you, Lord, that as we're learning that, we're learning about a life that reigns over the self-inspired narratives, over sin and death and dead works, a life that reigns through peace, through us being what you called us to be, and through a life that's acceptable to you, which is the life of Christ, living, breathing, operating, and acting in and through us. In Jesus' name, amen. What a revelation to be learning more each day about the wonderful work the Lord longs to do for us and in us. If this message has been an encouragement to you, please share it. That's my only request. Of course, we'd love to hear from you. To get in touch, simply log on to MikeAtkinsMinistry.com or click the link in the show description. I'm Mike Atkins. Thanks for joining us for the podcast.